0: Welcome to The Living Word, sponsored by The Carter Report. I'm Dave Dino, and our special guest is John Carter, pastor, evangelist, and biblical archaeologist. John, I love our talks. You, you just bring such life to the issues of the day, whether they're the issues that come from the front page of the paper or the issues that come from the daily living of our life. I am really looking forward to our conversation about the Middle East. It's on everyone's mind.
1: Dave, it's kind of you to say those last remarks thank you it's great to have you here Dave you're a very special friend of this ministry thank you very much today we do have a great topic the crisis in the Middle East you know it's uh, one
0: where it's hard to jump into it without getting into any kind of a controversial question so let's do that let's just start right off with one of the hard questions my question to start with is why is the religious right And that's composed mainly of evangelical Christians. Why are they putting so much pressure on the White House to permit Israeli incursions into the West Bank?
1: Dave, it's because of their distinctive theological beliefs. They have ideas that they believe come from the Bible. And those ideas, Dave, would seem to support that Israel, the nation of Israel, has a God-given biblical right to the West Bank and other parts of the land of Israel. Now, we're not here, of course, today to talk about politics. We are here simply to talk about the prophecies of the Bible and what the Bible teaches about the role of Israel in Bible prophecy. And, of course, Dave, we, we would say right up the, at, the, at the start of this program that we believe that we should love all people. Mm-hmm. We believe that we should love the Jews. Anti-Semitism is, is absolutely wrong. We believe that we should love our Jewish brothers and sisters. There's been far too much uh, misunderstanding between Jewish people and Christian people and many Christian people have reacted against the Jewish people in ways that are very, very unchristian. Mm. Having said that, I believe that as Christians we should also love our Arab brothers and sisters. God is a big God. God has got a big family. And so I want, I want everybody to know that we love the Jewish people, we love the Arab people. You know, that's become something of a difficult thing
0: in our country today as a result of the attacks on our country oh absolutely many people are struggling Mm -hmm. with that in our mind we know we should
1: and yet in our hearts there's some conflict there concerning the the dreadful events of september last year 2001 none of us will ever get over that none of us will ever Forget that. We believe that these were the acts of of not just bad men, but these were acts of evil. These were the acts of deluded, bigoted, brainwashed religionists. I agree with the President of the United States when he talks about the the so-called martyrs who kill themselves and blow up innocent civilians in Israel. He said, these are not martyrs, they're murderers. Mm. But at the same time, the present course is not working and there doesn't seem to be any likelihood of peace breaking out in the Middle East. What is happening today in the Middle East is that you have one atrocity and it's followed by stern retribution and then you have another atrocity because that's revenge and so you have revenge killing and then you have retribution and then you have revenge. This is not new. I, uh, I sympathize tremendously with President Bush and General Colin Powell when they're trying to bring solution to what seems to be a problem that nobody has been able to solve for 4,000 years. This is not a new problem. But Dave, to get back to your very interesting question, very penetrating question why is the religious right in the united states of america they're mainly evangelical protestants why are they putting so much pressure upon the white house to allow the jewish people to continue their uh, penetration mm-hmm. and the establishment of colonies and mm-hmm. so forth mm-hmm. in the west bank mm-hmm. it is because they believe that the promises that God made to Israel three and a half thousand years ago, Mm -hmm. promises concerning the establishment of Israel in Palestine, they believe that those prophetic promises are still binding today. Mm -hmm. And they believe that the children of Israel or the Israelites are God's special chosen nation. And therefore, they have a God-given right to the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, I'm That not includes here. the Palestinian uh, territories. Yes, many of them would believe this. Right. And the further right you get, they believe. I was only reading the other day in a magazine where they say, well, look, they should not even be getting any part of the West Bank because God promised them basically mm-hmm. from the Red Sea right across to the land of Iraq, mm-hmm. to the River Euphrates. Uh, Dave let me share with you if you don't mind some of the prophecies of the Old Testament that talk about this the prophecies that are used by our friends in the religious right and while they have the right to their viewpoints we believe that we have the right to have viewpoints too this doesn't mean that we're um, putting down what they say but we believe that the Bible presents a certain scenario. Now, let me read you from the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 15 and onwards and it gives a certain prophetic scenario. Mm-hmm. It says, you will come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, O God, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. There's a prophecy here that talks about Gog, great power coming down from the north. Right, It comes against Israel. And it talks about how God will come to the defense of the people of Israel. And so the far right and many, many Christians who take their theology from the far right believe that what's going to happen is is that a great horde is going to come against Israel. Mm -hmm. And Israel remain the chosen people of God. And when this great horde comes against Israel, Christian America out of a moral duty and out of respect for the prophecies of the Bible should arouse herself and come to the defense of the people of God. Now, David, uh, you know about the, um, the movie uh, Left Behind. Mm-hmm. Somewhat popular in evangelical circles. Yes. Made the rounds of the yes. theaters, out on video. M- millions of people look upon it like another Bible. Right uh... the only problem is that some of the producers said hey don't get carried away this is not really true this is fiction <laughs> and it is it's complete fiction mm-hmm. but in the movie left behind what you have is this great horde that comes against israel then you have the great tribulation mm-hmm. and it's all tied up with the rapture the church is raptured home to glory mm-hmm. and uh, the Antichrist rules and there is this tremendous battle over the land of israel and so evangelicals believe that because we're living in the days when these prophecies are being fulfilled, it is the duty of Christian America to come to the aid of Israel because of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Right. I believe, and this is certainly nothing against the Jews, I just simply believe that evangelicals are misinterpreting the Bible prophecies. Hmm. Now, some might here you
0: say, I have a different view on this. Hmm. It's contrary to what a lot of evangelical Christians believe and they might Mm -hmm. say, now, wait a minute. What is John Carter saying then? If he's saying that that we are mistaken in our overwhelming support of the Jews, what's the alternative?
1: Oh, I believe. I'm not talking about uh, supporting the Jews and not supporting the Jews. Mm I'm talking about a biblical basis mm-hmm. for our ideas. Mm-hmm. I believe that we should support people everywhere. I believe that it is it is the responsibility of a Christian to come to the aid of any person who is oppressed, mm-hmm. whether he is Jew or whether he is Arab. Uh, Dave, if I could show you something over here in the book of Genesis and uh, this is a text that does seem to indicate that God gave to the people of Israel the so-called promised land. Mm -hmm. Now if this is so, if God actually gave to the Jews the promised land and if they have a God-given right, then you can see the tremendous emotional impetus, if I could use that term, to help that prophecy to be fulfilled. Sure. And that is the thinking of the evangelical right. And you can see the dilemma it puts George Bush in. Now, let me read to you in Genesis 17, if I may, when Abram was 99 years old, goodness, Mm -hmm. the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So God mm-hmm. says I'm going to make an a, uh, I'm going to make Abraham with you a covenant. Mm-hmm. Abraham fell face down and God said to him as for me this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. That makes it complicated mm-hmm. because not only are the Jews descended from Abraham, but so are the Arabs. Right. So this is where the contention comes. Mm-hmm. Then he says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham for I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of the descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan Mm. where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So he says, I'm going to give the whole land of Canaan mm-hmm. to your descendants. In verse 9, then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant. Mm. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come, so God says, and He's talking, I believe, especially here to the Jewish people. He says, "I'm going to give you the whole of the land of Palestine. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you the West Bank. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to give you the land right up to the River Euphrates, right over to where Saddam City. <laughs> I'm going to get you the whole lot. It's going to be a package deal. But He says you've got to keep the covenant.
0: Mm.
1: So the the promise of the land." is based upon the fulfillment of the covenant. It's not just saying, look, here it is, no strings attached. God says, I give it to you, but you've got to keep the covenant. It's a contract. It's a
0: contract. Well, if in the Bible, God has promised Palestine to the Jews. Yes. Hmm. Is that still in effect today? Uh,
1: You see, this this is where this is where uh, I differ with the, uh, the far religious right in this country. Mm-hmm. They say the conditions, no, there are no conditions here. The, the prophecy is unconditional. It's not true. Every promise that God makes in his word is based upon the fulfillment of certain conditions. God said to Abraham, you're going to have the land of Palestine but you've got to keep the covenant. Mm. And he doesn't say just you've got to keep it. He says your descendants after you. Mm -hmm. Dave, let me share a text with you and my friends who are watching the telecast. I'm going to turn over here to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And these are some of the the final words of that mighty prophet Moses. Mm. And he's looking with the eye of prophet down into the future and he's spelling out The future prosperity or desolation of Israel. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, God says through Moses, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. But he says, if you fully Mm. obey the Lord your God. This is the covenant. Verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you Mm. and overtake you. And then if I turn over here to verse, let me see. Verse 63. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all nations from the one end of the earth to the other. God says, obey me and keep the covenant. The land is before you. I'm going to bless you, make you the greatest nation in the world. But he says, if you break the covenant and turn from me, instead of blessing... There'll be devastation. There'll be ruin. If I turn to chapter 30, it says, when all these blessings and curses I've set before you come upon you and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations and the Jewish people have been dispersed among the nations and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Dave, the promises and the threatenings of God are alike conditional. Mm. Obey the covenant the land is yours. Mm -hmm. Disobey, break the covenant, and you'll be scattered among every nation on the face of the earth. But then if you truly repent and come back to God in full repentance and obey the words of the covenant, then God says, I'm going to restore you. Well then John, is the fact that some Jews have come back to Mm -hmm. the
0: promised land Mm -hmm. in our day and age, is that a fulfillment of prophecy?
1: the prophecy says now most folks say yes this is a remarkable fulfillment of prophecy because they're looking at only half of the text the text says when Israel came back in full repentance Right. what does that mean it means accepting the Messiah for a start now Jesus is the Prince of Peace and when he came the people of God forsook him and they nailed him to a cross. The Bible talks about the restoration of Israel in the context of complete repentance, complete obedience to the words of the covenant. And that would include more than anything else, the acceptance of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Now to say, The return of a a group of people to our land is the fulfillment of the prophecy is to ignore what the Bible says. The Bible says it must be with repentance and it must be with acceptance of the terms of the covenant. And Dave, the most important term of the covenant was the acceptance of the Messiah. That was the most important. John, we hear the uh, term so often, Mm -hmm. chosen people. Yes. Are the Jews the chosen people? God, you know, Dave, and I'm glad about this, is not a racist. Mm. I don't believe that God has a chosen nation today. I don't believe this. I believe, and I can show you some texts, and I think we should do this. The Bible teaches that when a person truly comes to the Messiah and accepts the lord jesus christ and then obeys the word of god that person is counted as an israelite a spiritual israelite Hmm. now let me turn to a text over here Mm -hmm. i'm enjoying this today dave you know it gives us a completely different perspective because day
0: after day after day Mm -hmm. night after night we are bombarded with the news yes and we hear story after story that comes from the Middle East and
1: we're frustrated Mm -hmm. because there seems to be no answer oh there's no answer humanly speaking the only answer and at present, I don't see either side prepared to accept the answer the only answer for peace between Jews and Arabs is to accept Jesus the Prince of Peace Mm. there's so much hatred now, I know Jewish people. Uh, uh, I've m- gone to Israel on many, many occasions, and I, I have such a warm feeling towards the Israelis. I have Jewish friends. In fact, I have them in my congregation. Uh, w- the most wonderful people. I also have traveled, uh, as few people have, through the, the Arab lands. I've been to Egypt many times, Jordan, uh, Syria, Lebanon, uh, even run a series of meetings in Baghdad, been there a number of occasions. Uh, So I know the Middle East and I know the Arab people relatively well. I've met some wonderful Arab people. They're not all terrorists by any means. We should not think that the average Arab is a, is a bloodthirsty terrorist. It is not so. And so, you've got these two great races, and there have been, quite frankly, and everybody knows this. There have been atrocities on both sides. I wonder what it would be
0: like. So you've go got back, this hatred. You've got this hatred, and this hatred goes way back. You've mm-hmm. you've taken us back to the very beginning of that hatred. Goes back to Abraham. To Sarah. Abraham and Sarah and Ishmael. It, yeah. Can you imagine being Ishmael, his son, mm-hmm. being cast out? Oh, I know. And yes. then hearing for the rest of your life, and then generation after generation after generation, hearing that the sons of Abraham by Sarah are the chosen people. Of
1: course. I mean, how's that going to make you feel as a son? Uh, it would make you feel pretty jealous and pretty married. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Dave, there's only one solution to the problem in the Middle East. Uh, Some would say this is very simplistic. Well, you know, uh, the politicians are not having any success at all. None at all. The only solution is the solution of grace and forgiveness. Mm. But you don't get grace and forgiveness without the Messiah. Now, let me read you a text here. Galatians chapter. Chapter 3 and it's verse 26 and onwards now Paul says these words now to ask answer your question concerning the chosen people mm-hmm. you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus you can't do much better than that <laughs> for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Now, listen to this. And heirs according to the promise. Now, what was the promise? Well, God made promises to Abraham that they would, uh, his descendants would inherit the earth said, you're going to be a special chosen people. You're going to be the apple of my eye. And the Bible says if you are in Christ, if you accept the Messiah, if you come to the Messiah in true faith, then the Bible says you are counted as Abraham's seed. Dave, I'm a Jew. Dave, you're a Jew, a spiritual Jew. An Arab who accepts Christ is a Jew. Grafted in a spiritual Jew, Mm -hmm. an Israelite. So God does have a uh, a chosen people today. Yes, he does. He has a a special nation. And that nation is found in Russia and in China and in America and in Israel and among the Arabs and among the French and among the British. And by the grace of God, there are two sitting here at this table. Mm. When a person comes to Christ, he becomes a part of the chosen people but if you're not in Christ you're not a part of the chosen people and the prophecies do not apply let's talk about
0: being in Christ and let's talk about the relationship of that to mm-hmm. the Jewish people yeah. do Jews generally accept Christ
1: or do they generally reject Christ um, today I have some wonderful Jewish people in my church whom I don't just Love, I really like them. They're really nice people. Uh, we just love them to death. They accept the Messiah. But the vast majority of Jewish people, if you ask them, they don't accept the m- Messiah. The vast majority of the Israelis do not accept the Messiah. And the party that is becoming stronger as the days go by is the right-wing Pharisee party in Israel. They have a tremendous influence over there that has a ring of familiarity yes <laughs> it does um, then you, ha- you have for instance the orthodox Jews they mm-hmm. believe that Jesus is an imposter then you have the liberal Jews they believe that Jesus is an, is an imposter though some would say that he was a great person there's been a little liberalization in mm-hmm. their thinking but the vast majority of Jews I would think Dave the big number would be secular Jews mm. Uh, they don't believe in anything they believe in their nationality but they don't believe in religion so much they're just secular many of them are atheists in a sense they are racially jews racially jews circumcised jews Mm -hmm. but they're not the jews of the bible here because the only jew that counts or the only person who counts as far as being one of the chosen people as the bible refers to this term are those who are Abraham's seed who have accepted the Messiah. Then you do have today in America and in some other parts of the world, you have that group uh, who call themselves Jews for Jesus. Mm -hmm. I helped perform a wedding of a wonderful Jewish man and this beautiful Jewish girl, Donna, such a sweet, beautiful girl, Blake, a wonderful Jewish man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I married them. Well, I rather I assisted because they had a a Jewish rabbi do the wedding service Mm -hmm. he was a Christian Jew Mm -hmm. he believed in the Messiah but he is a minority so the vast majority of our friends and the Jews do not accept Jesus as the Messiah and that's the problem to not get too far off topic and yet it still Mm -hmm. does relate back to the topic
0: because you've already stated that you believe that the only answer to bringing peace to the Middle East Mm -hmm is through acceptance of Christ yes and and that's the
1: only way that forgiveness is going to come between the Mm. Arab and the Jew not only the Middle East but wherever you have conflict Christ is the only one with the answer why can't the Jews why couldn't they why didn't they accept Christ as the Messiah the New Testament as you know Dave as well as I do has been described by those who know nothing about it as being Mm -hmm. anti-semitic because it's it portrays the jewish leaders as being arrogant uh, back in the days of christ Mm -hmm. as being arrogant extremely Mm -hmm. self-righteous very power hungry Mm -hmm. very insecure and when jesus came he came as a as a revolutionary Mm -hmm. he came with a gospel of a gospel of peace, but a gospel that pointed out sin and pointed out spiritual pride. You see, Jesus taught that the sins of the flesh were not as bad as the sins of the spirit. And so here you had a, a, a group of people who were super religious, but they did not have the piety of, of, of the Lord. And they rejected him because he challenged and if they had let him do so he would have made things wonderful for them. But they saw him as a person who was going to overthrow their power base Mm. out of jealousy. Mm. The Bible says it was out of envy that they delivered him. And so they rejected him at Jerusalem which means the place of peace. The possession of peace, has never known peace since it rejected the Prince of Peace. That's the problem in the Middle East today. I wanna go back into uh, scripture and
0: I wanna go back into prophecy Mm -hmm. because as I said earlier, you give us a wonderful and different perspective on viewing the events, the issues of the world that we see today. I mean, day after day, we are confronted in the headlines with man's, and I know it's a cliche Mm -hmm. and it's so true, inhumanity to yes, man. Yes. I mean we are seeing terrible things mm-hmm. that, that people are doing to other people. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing suicide bombers mm-hmm. uh, that are taking the lives of women and, and innocent children. Mm-hmm. We are seeing uh, uh, teenage children, girls who are persuaded to become suicide mm-hmm. bombers. Uh, it, it has moved into a realm that is beyond what I believe our senses can make any sense out of Mm. so going back into the Bible really gives us a strong foundation and foothold for Mm. beginning to understand what's going on around us and and what perhaps we can do about it I want to go back into uh, prophecy Daniel the Jewish prophet he predicted the coming of the Messiah now did the prophecy come true and does it affect Israel's
1: Biblical right to the promised land? Uh, Dave, you're referring to the prophet Daniel who wrote his prophecies in the old city of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel was a prisoner of war. Nebuchadnezzar had come over there to Jerusalem and had destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And Daniel was taken as a prisoner of war over there to the city of Babylon. And while he was there, the Spirit of God came upon him. He became the prime minister of that great country. Mm-hmm and he gave prophecies concerning the coming of the prince of peace the messiah mm. now those prophecies rightly understood throw a tremendous amount of light upon the awful conditions today in the middle east mm. and david as i'm turning to the text may i may i just say this that these suicide bombers are are motivated by a, a, a terrible, a terribly perverted sense of justice. Mm-hmm. It is also, this whole thing is based upon a, a sense of, of lies because they're told by their religious leaders. The Arab leaders, they tell them, well, at least the fanatical ones, not mm-hmm. the balanced ones, mm-hmm. but the fanatical ones say to them, well, if you go and kill somebody, uh, fly a plane into, the, into New York Towers, you're going to go to paradise Mm -hmm. this is absolute lies Mm -hmm. they're absolute these are absolute lies and we know who the father of lies is yes it it is it is evil it is evil israel finds herself in a terrible situation because she is also dealing with evil she is dealing with evil internally or externally i'm I'm talking about these attacks by these terrorists and so forth Uh, And we must sympathize with this. And people have the right to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, The president says this. You know, Israel has the right to defend itself. We believe this. But what I'm trying to do today is to go below the surface. Mm. Now, uh, before I read this prophecy, you know, there was a... uh, Let me illustrate it this way. And I want, I, I want the audience to listen carefully to these texts from the Bible, Dave, but there was a man who had a swamp on his farm mm-hmm. it was full of crocodiles, a big swamp, you know, and he'd go out with a shotgun, bang, kill a crocodile. But, you know, they're breeding so fast, he couldn't keep up with them. Mm. Then somebody said to him, you know the best way to get rid of the crocodiles? He said, well, I've been trying to shoot them. Well, the man said, the best thing for you to do is to drain the swamp, drain the swamp. Every time Israel goes after a terrorist, it's shooting a crocodile, Mm -hmm. bang, Mm -hmm. bang, bang. Mm -hmm. Every time Colin Powell or some other good person goes over to the Middle East to try to work out a solution between these two nations that hate each other, bang, bang, shoot a crocodile. But the crocodiles are breeding faster than they can shoot them. The answer is drain the swamp. And the swamp is a swamp that's 4,000 years old. It's full of crocodiles, but it's a swamp that is filled with hate Mm -hmm. and poison. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to get rid of the swamp, and that is through the precious blood of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not here talking politics. I'm not saying, you know, Uh, a nation doesn't have the right to defend itself but you can defend yourself as long as you like but the other side is going to defend itself more then and Israel has got nuclear weapons we all know that but you give the Arabs enough time Dave and they're going to have nuclear weapons too that's right now the Bush administration there's other American administrations Uh, has come out and said, you know, we're going to stop nations from getting weapons of mass destruction. One can only say, good luck. Hmm. Because if you give enough time and enough desperation, they're going to get them sooner or later. We hope later, but they're going to get them. And so this awful merry-go-round that keeps going around. Time magazine or Newsweek had a cartoon of it. It showed a carousel, you know, a Mm merry-go-round. And it had atrocity, revenge, atrocity, Mm -hmm. revenge, an eye, a tooth, an eye, a tooth, an eye. It never stops. I'm saying we need to, in our own lives and Whatever it is, we've got to come to the place where we're going to be prepared to drain the swamp. I don't see those nations anywhere near there doing that because here is a prophecy that says that the Messiah was going to come. Mm-hmm. And unless the nations of the world, the Arabs and the Jews, come to God in true faith and repentance and accept the Messiah, the merry-go-round is going to keep going. Let me read the text. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people. That means 490 years. And your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy no one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the Messiah. The ruler comes, there'll be seven sevens and 62 sevens or 483 seven, uh, years. Hmm. The 77s, 490. 490 years. Mm-hmm. This has been understood by Jewish and Christian scholars for hundreds of years. So you've got a period of 490 years, Mm -hmm. but you've also got a period of 483 years. And it says it was from the issuing of a a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. This decree is the decree of Artaxerxes Longimanus, Mm -hmm. one of the Persian kings that went forth after the Babylonian captivity, after the Jews were Mm -hmm. taken captive Mm -hmm. that we all know about Mm -hmm. back 500 years or so before Christ, that decree went forth in 457 B.C. Mm -hmm. And if you add the 483 years onto the 457 B.C., it brings you through to the year 27 A.D. Luke chapter 3 says that Jesus appeared publicly at his baptism and said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. That's Luke chapter three and verse Mm. one and Mm. verses 20 to 23. And the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar according to Jewish reckoning is 27 AD. Mm. The prophet said more than 500 Mm. years before Christ that the Messiah would come in his public role as the Messiah in 27 AD. And the New Testament, an unbiased account possibly written by a person who didn't even understand these words Mm -hmm. as we understand them it says that the Messiah appeared in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar you can read it there Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ must be the Messiah then this same prophecy goes on to say words like these the anointed will be cut off and will have nothing it talks about and then it goes on a little bit further it says In the middle of the last week, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. It talks about the Messiah putting an end to the old Jewish ceremonies, the sacrifices and the offerings by the death of himself. Here is a prophecy that tells the year when the Messiah would come. Mm -hmm. It predicts that he would die for the sins of the world. Now Dave, the greatest tragedy that happened in the history of the world was that the Messiah came to his own people. And the Bible says they knew him not. Right, they rejected him. They rejected him. He was the son of God. He was the prince of peace. And he came with the balm of Gilead to present, to heal the gaping sores of the world to bring Jew and Arab together. He came to bring the children of Abraham together and to heal the sores, the bleeding sores of the world. And what did the world do? The world put him on a cross. Jerusalem has never known peace since it rejected the Prince of Peace. The text goes on to say, Dave, and this is is pretty graphic. It says... The end will come like a flood. This is talking about Jerusalem. War will continue until the end. And desolations have been decreed. So I say, we've got to drain. People have to drain the swamp. And we can be, to change the analogy, we can be putting Band-Aids on the skin cancers. We can, you can have a melanoma, say, growing on your chest and say, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put a little bit of uh, lanolin on it. Then I'll put a Band-Aid on it. That's what these peace talks are. Mm-hmm. Christ alone is the solution. This prophecy that we've read, mm. does this have
0: any bearing then on Israel's right to the promised land? I mean, we've been talking about that on and off throughout this entire broadcast. Whatever right
1: Israel has to Palestine, whatever right, and I'm not here to talk about her political rights Mm -hmm. or humanitarian rights, I'm not here to discuss this, but from a biblical viewpoint, from the prophecies, Israel has no right to the promised land because Israel was promised the land on, on condition that she accepted the Messiah and that she fulfilled the words of the covenant.
0: What does Jesus say? What does he say are the con- uh, consequences of rejecting him as the Messiah? But, but
1: let me follow off this by okay. saying, I'm not saying that, uh, don't misunderstand me, Dave. I'm not saying that Israel doesn't have a right to be over there. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But when the, when the right wing of the church goes to the president and says, uh, Israel has got a biblical right to be there. No, there's no biblical right at all because all the biblical rights were canceled when the messiah was crucified. Well, what did Jesus say? Let me read to you what he said because these words are very important words. And the problem is, uh, Dave, people will only read a certain portion of scripture. Mm-hmm. They need to read it all. Very selective. Very selective. So they pulled out these, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh the other day and somebody called up and was quoting the text uh, that God gave to Abraham. Mm. Oh, everybody got excited. Well, that proves it, you say, Hey, why don't you read a bit more? This is a big book, you know. It's a big book. Genesis, uh, Genesis, great, but now let me read to you Matthew 21. Listen to another parable, Jesus said. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. This is Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect the fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them as Jesus. They will respect my son, he said. But the tenants saw the son. And they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. Mm -hmm. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. That's Calvary. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The kingdom Mm -hmm. of God was taken from the Israel of the flesh and given to the Israel of the Spirit. And the Israel of the Spirit, they are the ones who accept the Messiah, and they become the chosen people. And then I turn over, seeing I'm here in Matthew, let me turn to Matthew 23, Dave, with your permission, verse 37. Jesus said, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Mm. Look, your house is left to you desolate. It's no longer the holy city, it's no longer the holy land. People say, Well, it's, it's the holy land. Of course, it's the holy land. Only the presence of a holy God can make anything holy. So the whole issue of the Middle East, Jew and Arab, centers on Christ the Messiah. No Christ, no peace. What about the fate of Jerusalem? You started to allude to this Mm -hmm. earlier.
0: What does the Bible prophesy about the the fate of Jerusalem?
1: Very good question. Let me come over here. Because
0: again, it goes back to what we're looking at in the news each and every day. Yes.
1: Let me me find you a text here. Luke chapter... Well, that sort of repeats it. Luke chapter... Let me look at Luke 21. Mm. You know, I hope that uh,
0: those who are watching mm -hmm. will keep their Bibles handy and that they will follow along with you take Mm. some notes and and perhaps Mm. make a few uh, uh, notes in the margin uh, so that, again, they can go
1: back and they can look at this for themselves. One of the most important things is to avoid brainwashing, Mm -hmm. whether it's by the media or by churches or by preachers, whoever. Mm. Uh, We need to study for ourselves and we need to be intelligently informed. Now, Luke chapter 21, verse 20 and onwards, Jesus said, When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. This, of course, is referring to 66 AD when Cestius Gallus came against uh, Jerusalem because of the Jewish uprising. Then he says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Mm-hmm. This has been fulfilled, to be fulfilled again, the great tribulation. There will be great distress in the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. And wrath wrath against this people. They will be taken, they will fall by the sword. And will be taken as prisoners to all the nations that happened. And to answer your question, this is the clearest text I know in the Bible on Jerusalem, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Mm. There'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint with terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He's talking here about the very end of time. He moves right down to the end of time. And he talks about Jerusalem being trodden down of the Gentiles. Great distress in the land. Dave, there'll be great distress in the land. There'll be great distress in America or Australia or any human heart where Christ is crucified. He's the Prince of Peace, and only Jesus can bring peace to the warring sons of Abraham. How do we bring lasting peace to the Middle East? It's a human impossibility. Wonderful men have tried to do so, not for an hour, or a week, but they've tried to do it for hundreds of years. It's a divine possibility. But Jesus said, you were not willing. People must be willing. The only person who can help me to love my enemy is Christ. I don't have that capacity. I don't have the capacity to love my enemy. The Jew doesn't have the capacity to love the Arab, and the Arab doesn't have the capacity to love the Jew. I'm talking about those who are fighting Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. The problem in the Middle East is this. No grace, no gospel, no gospel, no Christ. No Christ, no peace. There will never be peace until those warring hearts find their peace with God. The greatest tragedy that ever happened to the sons of Abraham was when they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Till each and every one of them becomes, through acceptance of Christ, the chosen people. When, they, when, we, when we together understand that it's no longer nations, God doesn't have a special nation, God has special people in every nation. Whenever a person comes in true faith to Christ, then he becomes a child of God and a child of Abraham. We may have some watching right now. They've heard a lot of
0: this all of their life in various ways. Mm. But no one has ever said to them, here is how you become a child of God.
1: How do they become a child of God, John? We become, or a person becomes a child of God by coming in faith to Jesus as the Messiah, by confessing our sins, by repenting of our sins. That means we are truly sorry for our sins. And then by believing that Christ died on the cross for our sins, by accepting him as our personal savior. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. When Christ, the Prince of Peace comes in, peace floods the soul. The happiest people in this world, Dave, are people who walk with the Prince of Peace.
0: And my friends, we'd like to tell you more about how to walk with the Prince of Peace. Write to us, call us, We'll be happy to answer your questions. We invite you to come and join us to become, indeed, one of God's chosen people. Thank you for watching. Come and join us again.